This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Eric. Oh, wow. All right. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for doing this. I can't tell you how grateful I am. This is huge. Happy to do it. Let's rock and roll. Awesome. Um, so for entrepreneurs, timing can be everything. Yes. You've had a famous and public track record of being early to mega trends, the internet, social media, now NFTs. If the internet was a video game, we think about innovations as new levels. You seem to get there faster and master them before other people even think they're relevant. So why are NFTs the next level in this game and what makes them so powerful? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, fun question. I, you know, I think there's so much. I think the internet, I mean, is clearly one of the singular inventions of the human race. Right, like, like printing press, television, airplanes, you know, it's just a singular technology transformation. And I think that the blockchain is going to follow that route. I really do, the consumer blockchain. Because what the internet did was it changed every aspect of everything. And I think every business, government, organization, entity, maybe even long-term human is going to have an NFT integrated into their day-to-day, -day, no different than a website, right? Or, or you know, a, um, a social media profile. These have been very big adoption curves at scale. The fact that we can have digital confirmation on a ledger that is not controlled by anybody is a profound thought. And it leads to me not having any concern that anybody who's coming to VCon doesn't actually have a ticket. Uh, but, but that has been solved with a piece of paper or a QR code. What's different is I can add value to that VCon ticket in 17 years, but the Super Bowl can't to Super Bowl three's ticket. They have no idea who has it or where it is. When you start understanding what that means, it actually profoundly changes so many things um, and the consumer and human behavior that goes along with that changes. We, our language has changed because of the internet, because people short text things and all of a sudden we've gone into emoji communications or, or acronyms. And so, you know, I think it's, it's a level up because it's built on top of the things that came before it. If, if the consumer blockchain came first, with no internet and no social media, it would be a totally different process, right? Yeah. The promotion cycle wouldn't have not been as fast, right? Right. It, it would have been cool. It would have been like, okay, what the fuck? Like, you know, but so I think the, you know, the, the long-winded answer was the first one I gave you. The, the, the actual punchline short answer is because the other two things now exist at scale. So building this third one on top of it magnifies the fuck out of it. Yeah. So it's a really good point about, you know, what you could do in 17 years. You know, I've heard you say that um, people are fixated on the next 33 days and you're fixated on 2023. Sometimes it feels like people are just fixated on the next 33 seconds. I'd be oh curious I mean, for you to talk about here. like your high conviction in the space and your willingness to think long-term and how that's helped and hurt you as you've shaped, you know, your entry in the space. Well, it's helped me because in 2047, we'll clip this together and we'll have a conversation and it would have worked. It hurts because people don't hear what they don't want to hear. 
people don't want to hear what they want, don't want to hear. Like when I'm like 99% of these projects are going to zero. Nobody wants to hear that. You say it every day, it feels like. <laughs> you know, uh, don't, don't invest with money that you can't afford to lose. I mean, if every person actually invested with money that they could afford to lose, the, the energy would be far more positive in every discord. Oh, 100%. Um, I think um, it, it's, it's hurt from the standpoint of when the shit really hits the fan, like the whole space bubbles, forget about individual projects, when V friends and board apes are five Ethereum, not, you know, a hundred, if and when that happens, because there's so much short-term greed behavior, drags everything down, no different than what we saw with internet, you know, stocks in 98. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating people being like, see Gary, it was a fad, you were wrong. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not wrong. Individual internet stocks were wrong. The internet wasn't wrong. Individual NFT projects are gonna be wrong at scale. NFTs are not wrong. And the question will become who's Jeff Bezos, right? Who's sitting on Amazon in 2000 at six bucks a share and has the capacity over the next 15 years to build something meaningful. We're about to find out. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you have this persona, you're um, in the media a lot. And I, I wanted to ask you a question about specific advice versus general. You know, when people always ask, oh, how do I do this, Gary? How do I make money? I think you do a good job telling people research. And when you give specific advice, what, I've seen this in investment, someone says, tell me a stock. If you tell them to buy something, then you get accused of pumping their bags. You didn't tell people when to sell. And so what this pushes people is to give generic platitudes, even when they don't want to. I love Warren Buffett, but when he was younger, he would tell people what he was doing. He was hustling. Now he tells people how to like live life. I'd be curious how you experience that when you try to communicate with your community. And a second follow-up is what does a crypto wallet do to change that type of thing that we've never been able to experience before? Now that second part was really interesting. Um, it's a great fucking question. So first, I think that anybody that puts themselves out there, I don't have, you know, how people are like, nobody told you to buy it or nobody tells me to go on CNBC or this podcast. Nobody's forcing me to do this show right now. So I'm very big on being accountable to your own actions. And so, you know, you have to lie in the bed that you've created. I'm incredibly comfortable when everyone's, when somebody was like, well, Gary, you, you just talk in general terms. I'm like, well, what are you supposed to do when there's like no human being of you? There's a whole audience. Like you've got to create it in a way that might translate for someone to understand it at scale. Because if you go too narrow, then you're, then, you know, and then when you go narrow, they're like, your garage sale stuff is so stupid. I'm like, you told me to go narrow and people tell me they only have 500 bucks and I'm trying to show them what I did when I, like, this is what you do, right? Um, one thing I love about and why I went so head first into NFT land, somebody yeah, a couple of days ago on Twitter is like, you pump and dump. I'm like, good news. Here in my, show me the dump. Show me. Yes, of course I'm, I pump. Of course, meaning, you know, first of all, the terminology in this space is very challenging because people have taken historically bad words and have decided to use them as slang for general terms, right? So like shilling feels like, like when I first got in, I was like, oh no, I don't want to shill. Like, I don't want to pump. I don't want to shill, you know? We probably I mean? all call ourselves DGENs with and a, so, like a badge um, of honor. Yeah, and I was like this, whoa. I was like, this isn't great. Like those are tough terms to get associated into, but like, yeah, I, you know, at, 
I've, I've always been enthusiastic about what I buy. Um, I think the public wallet's gonna save people like me. It's huge, it's huge. Like I'm so happy. Like I just went through it with sports cards. I, I haven't sold any of my sports cards and people just make it up fucking stories and you're like, fuck, this is my reputation. Like this sucks, you know, like what are you gonna do about it, right? Like it's, you can't, it's so hard to document not selling something. Guess you could take a photo of it, but they're gonna be like, you just, it's, it's like fucking impossible. So you just kind of get used to it. But I, I do really like the public wallet. Like I, everything I've bought, everything, I believe in. That's why I fucking bought it. I, you know, I, I love when you've worked your face off and worked really hard to earn your money and then people think it doesn't matter to you. I've, I've bled for mine. You know, it's not, I'm not in the business of like trying to lose it for kicks and giggles. I'm not a spoiled fourth generation trust fund baby who doesn't know what it took. Like I, I bled for mine. I don't want to buy a fucking NFT for $4,000 and have it go to zero. Everything I bought, I believe in. Do you think that um, just following up on that, you know, people always ask me how to get into the space. You talk about a lot of work. And I think with your personality being all in, is this a space that you can be in without being all in just because of how fast and aggressive it's developing? Of course I wasn't can. there I actually, the internet. I, I actually think it's the best part. You can't be if you're a day trader, like 99% of the people in the space right now. You can't be in it if you plan on day trading and let there be no confusion. This entire space is day trading right now. So of course not, because everything changes by the second. But if you believe in world of women, you can buy four of them, put it on a fucking ledger and go to sleep. <laughs> I, all my stuff is that. I have no idea the floor price of anything I bought. None, right. do not know. Don't know the doodles floor price. Don't know the board eight. Like, I know it because like I, I like it hits my radar, through the, but like, it's just not, it's just not why I bought them. Right. But what's different here is people can look at your wallet and see you're not doing a pump and up. They can track it. They can see, look, Gary bought it. He said he bought it. He hasn't sold anything. Look, it's right, all right here in the well, public by the, view. By the, by the way, if I was pumping and dumping, I'd be dead 40 years ago. People are waiting every <laughs> second to destroy, you know? Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, and by the way, I'm allowed to sell too if I want to. I'm just, it's, I'm not in the business. The concept, I wish people understood how big my business life is and who I was as a human being. The thought to buy something for a day or two or a week or even a month, just to buy it, let it go up and then sell it and make profit and let the whole world see it. That would be catastrophic to me. Yeah, I actually don't think people understand that VaynerX is a 1500 person company. I was reading, you've done three spots in the Super Bowl this year, eight in the past four years. So I'd be super curious. You get to work with the largest and most powerful brands. How are they interacting with your real business? And what are they saying? Where, where is their space at? Where are we in they're, that kind of cycle? They're, they're, they're NFT curious. You know, we've already got Pepsi, Budweiser, um, Bear Paint, like many people, we, we did the Bear Paint doodles thing. Like we're, we're doing a lot of progressive stuff, Avery over at, and Alan, the rest of the team over at Vayner NFT is doing a great job. They're, they're NFT curious. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, we are pounding the conversation. We want them to understand, but we're also being very, 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 very aggressive in making sure they understand what they're getting themselves into. Like high risk, very early, you know, consumer behavior, you have to understand and they're, and they're risk adverse. So 
um, I'm surprised and proud for both our clients and ourselves of how much we've been able to get done this year. Are you surprised with the adoption cycle there? Or is this what you saw with when them, when they you know, were interested you know to social I, media? They were so They've been faster to consider an NFT project than they were to get a Twitter account. And that's why I think it's catching me off guard in a good way. Cause I view doing an NFT project, having a lot more hair on it than doing yeah, a so Twitter. I, but, but that was so scary to them. Customers can talk. That was like <laughs> catastrophic for brands. You know, this one, wait, I can make money selling something digital. So I actually understand why they've been faster, but there is a lot more hair on it. Yeah. Do you think they understand the longevity or the perpetuity of their actions and decisions? No, because they don't care because it's not their company. Interesting. Yeah. So like the thing that's always been weird with me in Madison Avenue is there's no family businesses. Like you work at Pepsi today, you're going to work at Kraft Heinz tomorrow. Like people are at their places for two to five years. So they don't make decisions in long-term. Agencies are all owned by publicly traded companies, Publicis, Omnicom, WPP. It's been a field day for me in Madison Avenue because mine's a family business. I care about my people and VaynerMedia and perpetuity. This is what's gonna happen to me in this space. You know why I'm going to dominate this space? It's because I'm playing until I die. And most people are playing to cash out and buy a mansion. How can you lose when you're competing against that? Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about the, the public companies being less risk averse because they're, you know, the person launched the NFT project said, hey, let's go do an NFT. And it doesn't matter as much as it does. They're, they're, more, like they're, they're, more, they're more risk averse and they're less risk averse. They're more risk averse because they can get fired from a headline, right? they're less because they don't actually give a shit about the company, even the most noble of them. And I don't say that as a Raz. Yeah. Like how could you possibly love Ford or Toyota or Tesla if you work there? You just can't, nor should the companies expect that. And that's not a dig, people have pride, they do the right thing, they're honorable, but in their back of your brain subconscious, it's not your, we all love children, right? You see, a, you don't hate a five-year-old, but do you love them as much as your child? Never. And so that's, that's kind of the human behavior there. So I want to switch a little bit to, to kind of Gary Vee and Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, everyone I asked about you said you're the same in real life as you are in person. <laughs> you know, you're super nice, super high energy, extremely curious. It's the person you want at every dinner. That's what people said about you. Um, I'm curious how you think about separating your public and private life. And maybe another way to ask that was as someone who was never public and just started doing this, how do you think about that balance or that split between who I am and, you know, shielding some part of yourself back? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really, I think about it a lot. I don't, you know, I'm very happy to hear that. First of all, I'm still taking that in. Thank you. I'm, I, I really do. You know, as I get more known, you get more of both. You get more admiration. You get more razzing. Boy, did that mean a lot to me because like, I really love the fact that anybody who's actually met me for real, for real has such a different perception than every, you know, and then if you've met me once versus twice versus right. So that's yeah. like something I'm very proud of. Like the people that know me the best, like me the most and they're like, like, and, and vice versa kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Cause Please. I, I didn't know you as much. I, 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 the whole space, the influencer, the, yes, like I had a negative perception. I didn't take you as serious. And then I started to dive in and really do a lot of research. I was like, I completely misread this guy. 
like well, I understood more about it, especially as I talked to people who actually knew you. I'm easy to misread. Like I have to, I have to own that. Like I have such a bombastic energy that yeah. I'm, that I'm empathetic to that air, you know? I get it. Like, it's why I don't go on, like, it's, it's, I, it, I actually think it's why it's easy for me to be okay. Because I'm like, how can I blame something? Like all the bad guys and gals that are like that look like this too. Right. Like I, I kind of get it, you know? Yeah. It sucks to be frank. It's like, it's cause I have a lot of pride in how I operate. I'm a real guy. Like I'm incredibly underrated because of my over bombastic style for my steak. Right. You know, I've got plenty of hype for my sizzle. I get that. So I think, um, you know, I keep my private life private. So that's very easy. I, one thing I tell everybody is you go more public. If that's what one decides you're in full control. Like, you know, I don't share pictures of my kids. I don't talk about my personal life, but, but you definitely, what you get, you know, in real life is this other than when you have a three hour dinner, and you, you can like, you, your humanity comes across in a different way than when you're trying to educate and entertain in a 30 minute podcast. I think, you know, I had never said this. I, it just hit me as I said it. I think I have a propensity to want to entertain as well, which I think gets me into that macho man, Randy Savage, Eddie Murphy part that maybe gets me into a little bit of misjudgment. And I have to be okay with that because I think the pros outweigh the cons right? There's a lot of people that are captivated by that communication style. And then slowly but surely, I can really impose really the things I'm passionate about, which is I'm addicted to good human behavior. Like Empathy Elephant and Patient Panda and Accountable Ant are here for a reason. That's probably the most exciting part. The building out the intellectual property over the next 40 years, I really think I'm up for the Vince McMahon, Walt Disney, challenge and i'm i'm really just i'm really excited to see where i land in the lexicon i'm always fascinated with what drives people you know usually it's like the little kid inside you like where do you think that desire to entertain came from i i think escapism helps people i really like positivity and i think i associate escapism movies music as a coping mechanism for the most unhappy and a balance mechanism for the content, right? And a passion mechanism for the excited about those genres, sports. We have all these things in life that allow us to step away from our day-to-day challenges. And I put those things on a pedestal and I think it's why the world does. I think there's a value to it. But I also, the more I'm thinking it through right now, because I'm going through this path with you, I also think that it's hard to keep people paying attention. And I really have something to say um, and I'm motivated by it because I think my mother did it for me. You know, I think my mom fucking nailed it. You know, like really gave me good self-esteem but made me accountable. Like don't get high in your own supply but be nice to everybody but go for it and fuck it. Like everything, you know, it's actually very funny. When I get all the accolades, my brain translates it and gives it to my parents. Gary, you're the goat. Mom, dad, you're the goat. Gary, you're fucking genius. Mom, dad, you raised a genius. Gary, you're awesome. Mom, dad, when I get the bad stuff, I'm like, I take on the accountability. I'm empathetic. I'm like, yeah, fuck, man. I need to, if I wasn't so bombastic, then they might have, you know. And so I I feel like my style also is a mirror a little bit. Like you may be cautious 
upfront before you cross your T's and I's. Because if you've gone through the process of, I misjudged this guy, but now actually I like it. Well, that sounds like that. Other people are cynical and conspiracy theorists to the end. Right. And so no matter what I do, it's bad. Other people are, get hyped on every trend and they're gonna love me immediately. Like, you know, and so everyone's a little bit different. And I've always felt that my personality traits were really good indicators on the other person, which actually probably helped me go fast in liking people too. Yeah. Meaning I'm, I'm very, very empathetic to every different style and can adjust to whatever style it is. Yeah, you seem extremely empathetic and you have this like core desire to help people but I also can send a street, like sense a street kid who can immediately pick up bullshit. So I'm 100%. curious, like how you learn, gather information, how you filter people. Like, how do you let people into your world when I can imagine there's just constant desire to get to you? Uh, I am a street kid. Many people have been able to get close to me that have been ended up being awesome. It's not like I have a perfect shield. I'm incredibly optimistic and I give trust before having it earned. So a lot of people get in because I'm not cynical. And then when it's not right, I adjust. And I, you know, I try to, historically, I've tried to figure out a positive way, non-confrontational way to get it clean. As I've gotten older, I've tried to be a little bit more candorous and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm curious just to kind of follow through on that one of like, whether you're making angel investments, business deals, NFTs, just like, your process of, I've heard you say this before, of understanding you bet on people, you don't bet on ideas, and you're trying to figure out if, it, if they're one of us, what does it mean to be one of us? You know, um, like LeBron James put in an ungodly amount of work, but let there be no confusion. His athletic ability and speed and size was something that just happened and then he built on top of it. I view myself that way. I know that's an obnoxious comparison, but I'm aware that I have a level of intuition that is not normal. You know, I definitely sense things, you know, like it's probably the reason I believe in some foofy, foofy stuff because I'm like, well, of course there should probably be psychics and stuff of like that because look at me, I kind of know things like very naturally people and things. I think it's somebody who's grounded in what I would call practical operation optimism. Let's call it poo, <laughs> practical. <laughs> operational optimism, meaning there's a level of common sense and practicality grounded in optimism because she or he really wants it, can see it, they feel it, but it's incredibly, incredibly grounded in practicality and operations. I seem so wild, but when people look under the hood, come, like, like I'm so operational, right? Like my audacity, if it's there, I see this confidence and bravado in like VFriends is out of my operational capability. Like I, I, I live in like, well, it doesn't matter. The blockchain can document who has these things and I'm just gonna build things in real life that are gonna provide value for the people that have this thing. Right. Like, and so like, that's what I'm looking, like Kevin Rose. Like it's been very, I mean, I'm a little mad at myself. I should have bought more proof. Like I just, I, I'm, I just knew because I watched him operate as a kid at Dig. Didn't end up being as big as, you know, they very close to exiting monstrous to Google. Didn't happen. What did he do? He went fucking dominate as an investor, right? Like, like just knew, just knew. And I'm looking for that. I'm like looking, and then I'm looking for other, like Danny Cole with Creatures. I just, I don't know if he can operate, as a matter of fact, 
I bet the farm that he can't, but motherfucker, he's a contemporary artist. You know, like when you think of like an, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's something so, special about him. Yeah. So I'm like, who's either an artist for real or who's an operator for real? And so that's what I'm looking for in this space. And so I'm trying to use my intuition and series of questions and pattern recognition of 25 years to be like, and, and I did a great job like with that, with Zucks and with Ev Williams and with David Karp with Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr really worked for me as a kid. I nailed that, but I didn't have really the economics to like go crazy. Um, this time I have a different level of economics. And so I'm really, I'm hopeful as an investor back to Warren Buffett, a lot of high risk. It's, there'll be a lot of misses, but it's a space where you get four to five out of your 25 right. It can get very weird and very fast. Yeah, so, so ch- moving to that economics point, um, you know, NFTs are the first times we, we can create infinite assets. And what I mean by that is like, people don't start thinking about multi. I knew a guy whose family made like the paper and cigarettes. And so his great, great grandfather made a decision that his family lived on forever. And I feel like average people never think about this stuff, but you've talked a little bit about how smart contracts can change the future of assets and how people can make bets for a really long time. And I think it would just be great to hear kind of what you mean by that and how you see how people can take advantage of it. Well, you know, an infrastructure that is globally accepted because it's a decentralized ledger that is grounded in royalty structures is fucking bananas. You know, I get, and I know that not everybody that sentence comes very natural to, but like, let me just say this way. The reason Michael Jackson like had his compound and the reason like the weekend can buy like an $85 million home has a whole lot to do with something called royalties that us normal people could never be involved in. Like, and so, the thought that you create an asset, whether digitally or an NFT represents a physical item that is locked up in an exchange or a warehouse, right? Like all the great art in the world is sitting or, you know, the Mercantile exchange, right? And that you are the royalty collector in perpetuity of that transaction is fucking profound. Now, what we haven't felt yet is a supply and demand correction. Most NFTs in the future, even if they represent something physical, like a, at a garage sale or a sports car, will go the way of sports cards, collectibles, things that you see on eBay. Most things are gonna be worth a dollar or a penny. Right. Because there'll be too much supply. When every person launches their NFT project on earth, there's not gonna be enough demand against the supply. I thought about in your example of tickets, like you collect ticket stubs and you talk about Michael Jordan's first right game, right. but in the future, every one of those tickets will never have gone away. They're all there. Right? That's correct. And also, even when all the pieces of paper went away, well, nobody's buying the first ticket stub of Johnny Thompson. Correct. It's a small group, but you know, there was a billion people that tried to start cartoons in the eighties only there was hundreds of thousands of cartoons attempted to get on television in the 80s, hundreds of thousands from the living room to eventually, right? But it was Transformers and Thundercats and My Little Ponies and, and you know, Strawberry Shortcakes and Care Bears and G.I. Joe that made it, which created that IP. Right now, you have unlimited entrepreneurs and artists that want people to buy their NFTs, but people won't want to buy that. You know, somebody said to me, Gary, 55,555 for a series two V friends. That's a ton. I'm like, it's going to sell out in a second. 
I'm like, it's supply and demand. I'm like, don't worry about my 55,000 after 20 years of community building and execution and receipts of being right and demand and like having an, I'm like, there are people who are launching 10,000 units who's nobody's ever heard of. They should be launching six units. You know, if I started in 2005, I would have never put out a 10,000 project. I would probably put out 50 piece project in the wine business, which would have, each one would have let you drink wine with me because that's the only asset I had to back it up, right? And so, yeah, I think people need to understand that if they get this right, there's a lot in it for them in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, and there's a lot of creativity to that, but there's a lot of work to that. Creating demand is incredibly challenging. And that's why most people aren't able to ever do it. Yeah, so I just want to ask you one more question about kind of your future state. And I love how you talk about when people first encounter something, they just immediately assume it's bizarre, but for some reason it triggers you. You have this example of when people thought about online dating, how crazy that was. What today seems bizarre to people that in the future, when we look back on this, it will seem obvious that you understand now. NFTs. And the reason I gave you that answer is we're in a little bubble, this little crew of us, you, me, and our, whoever's going to listen to this. <laughs> Like 99% of people don't, 9, 70%, 70%, 60% of people have never even heard the term on earth. Like have not heard the term. It's not like NFTs are popping off in the country of like Africa. Like, you know, like, it's just like, it's not happening yet. Like you go to Sweden, it's not like off the chain, you know, like, so I, I think NFTs, to be honest with you, I really do. I, I don't think people understand that we're in the collectability with a hint of utility phase, but it's gonna flip and it's gonna be utility with a hint of collectability. I think about UF, UF, I think about NFTs the way I think about Starbucks collectible mugs, the way I think of the Hess truck during the holidays from the gas station on the East Coast, the way I think about like cereal putting little toys inside in the 80s and 70s and 60s. It's, it's gonna be a trigger. I think high-end products and brands are gonna make their receipts NFTs to, to execute on initiatives they have. You know, if you're Louis Vuitton and you care about women's rights, you know, getting an Afghani art, female artist to design your winter 2022 receipt is really profound. If you're giving that artist 50% of the royalties, you can, you have a marketing campaign that positions your brand's social views. You change the life of someone and God willing, that artist goes on to pop off. Now the customers who bought a $10,000 handbag might end up with a $10,000 art asset. That is, oh, by the way, when I get that receipt for free, but then I sell it for $3,000, Louis Vuitton's gonna make 5%, 2%, 3%. This is gonna change the fucking world. And that's just one mundane example I pulled out of my ass. <laughs> like it's going, to, it's going to be a utility at scale. You want a better one, Eric? I believe you and me included and everyone listening, we're all underestimating it right this second. It's that big of a technology change. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, every day, I think uh, for me, I know that when I start to sit down with people who I know are really curious and I explain it, it almost turns entrepreneurs into everyone. And that's how I know there's something. They're like, what if you, like back when the internet started, like, could I do this? Could I do that? What about this? That's, right. that's when you know, like there's something special that if you 
let that power into the world, there'll be a lot of people that harness it and create it. Um, I know we're at time. And so I just want to ask you, we ask every kind of closing question, what are you most excited to build or see built over the next six months? And what are you excited to see over the next six years? One more time, my friend. I apologize. What are you most excited to see built over the next six months? And what are you most excited to build over the next six years? See that's built or I built? You built. Me. Over the next six months, um, I just really want to execute series two and VCon really well. Like these are very important early days for this intellectual property in this project. So I would say just really to the best of my ability, you know, Ethereum is not built for mass demand that is greatly above the price you've set. I made a real mistake a couple months ago when I decided to say that I would make series 200 under a thousand dollars because that is not the demand price. And, you know, what I watched a Vitalik video and I was the other day, I was like, fuck. And he basically spoke to like, you know, Ethereum is not built for that scenario. If the market thinks it's worth one ETH and it's, and I'm selling for 1.5, I've put the miners in a very good position and I've put a lot of people in it. And so like, I've been spending a lot of time on the smart contract and like my thoughts, cause I'm only a couple of days away and what's going on with Kevin and what went on with my brother, AJ with Vaynerpat. Like it's a, it's a yeah. hornet's nest and it's going to sell in one half second. Now, luckily for me, 82% of all the NFTs have already gone to the OG community. So there's at least that saving grace, right? But, and then VCon, I mean, putting on a conference of this size is fucking banana shit. And so just executing that is very top of mind, six months. Six years, I would like the friends to start feeling to some the way that Rugrats, you know, Beavis and Butthead, um, South Park, the Smurfs. I'm going to keep Disney and some of the biggest, but like starting to be like, wait a minute. I just like, if like, I can't wait for you and I to get to know each other better. And in six years, you email me and say, bro, do you remember when you were on the podcast way back when? I just saw a kid wearing a patient panda backpack to school. I think it's going to be a lot faster than six years. You know, one, let me tell you this. You know, I preach, as you know, patience. It seems you've done some good homework here. Like, I'm not in a rush. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. I'm, you know, I'm going to be very thoughtful. You worry about oversaturation. You got to get cadence down. You got to be thoughtful. But I'm definitely over the next six years, whether it's a video game, whether it's cartoons, whether it's, you know, cereal, whether it's toothpaste, whether it's apparel, like, I want to build out an incredible company that disproportionately brings value to the original NFT holders. And I, and I view series one as that real OG thing that will always be my alpha omega. But I do think series two is where I kind of am converting them into the visual that they're going to be. And I think um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Gary, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, brother. Awesome. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Thank you, man. This is huge for me. I know that you could have picked a thousand different people to do this with. So it really means a lot to me. And I know that you, I just wanted to let you know that. Yeah. You know, A, thank you for knowing that. It's a very big part of how I think about things. You know, like you get to this place of privilege where you've, you know, for me, it's awesome because I've earned my privilege, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's something just very big about earning something versus not earning it. 
and I take my moves very seriously. Like I'm so flattered back to the story I was telling earlier. Like, I know this is going to change the trajectory of this podcast. It's huge. No, it's, it's, it's like, there's nothing that could be bigger than doing this. So, and I, I one of the things I love about your style is I, I was trying to explain to someone, I'm like, now that I understand him, this is like, so I, I came from really strong Jewish parents. My mom told me I was special and I could work my ass <laughs> off. And that resonated so much with me that like, Anytime I got accolades, when oh, my mom, I entered on a podcast. Like when I say this, I'll be like, mom, I just interviewed Gary Vee. Her friends will hear it. But if anything ever goes wrong, it's 100% on me. I could have done better. What could I have asked better? Push myself. But I really feel you're like, you're like everyone's immigrant parent. I love your message. I love that. Look, stop complaining. Stop dwelling. You can do this. And here, yes. I'm going to show you, you can do this over and over again. And it's a tough industry because there's so much yeah. people selling bullshit. But I just, it's, it's so valuable that you're doing it because most people would have taken, just been exhausted. You could have taken a much easier path at this point. And I just, I admire your relentless with all the hate and all the pushback and nonsense you face. I appreciate it, brother. Thank awesome. you. Thanks, Talk Gary. to you.